Bibles, if you would please, this morning to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter number 5. And with the help of the Lord, in just a few moments, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 12 of the chapter and be reading through the final verse of the chapter, that of course being verse number 21. What a blessing it is to be back at the Bible Baptist Church of Rossville, Georgia. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, one of my favorite places to go, preach at, just to be a part of the services at, is the Bible Baptist Church. And I'm so honored to be here today. Pastor, I do not take for granted the opportunity that you have uh, graciously given me to stand in your pulpit. And I'm so honored to be able to be here today. We appreciate and love your preacher, your preacher's wife, and all of the church family here at the Bible Baptist Church. Boy, we've already heard some wonderful preaching. I was thinking while Brother Williams was preaching this morning, there could not have been a more appropriate message than the message that he has already preached. I love Bible preaching. Amen. And you're not going to hear any finer than what you've already heard. I'm so thankful for the message this morning. Have you found your place in Romans chapter 5? If so, and if you are able, if you would stand as we read the Word of God together. It has been said, and I agree, the book of Romans is the most statesmanlike presentation of the gospel in all of the Bible. In fact, I believe you and I witnessed such a presentation as we zero in on the verses in which the Lord has led us to this morning. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification." For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. 
that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to encourage you to leave your Bibles open this morning. We're going to be using them throughout the course of the message today. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you for the opportunity once again to stand in the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church. Lord, I do not take that for granted, and I certainly would never take it lightly. So, Father, I pray that you would use me to say those things that you would have said. I certainly want to be a blessing and an encouragement this morning. But yet at the same time, I, I would pray that you would use the preaching of thy word to challenge and ultimately change us that we may be more like thee. Help me, I pray. I'm nothing without you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated. With the help of the Lord and while zeroing in on the verses in which I've been blessed to read within our hearing this morning, I felt impressed of the Lord to preach on this thought. Grace that makes the case for world evangelism. Now I've used that title because as we were blessed to read the portion of Romans chapter 5 in which the Lord has led us to this morning, I believe that is exactly what the Word of God makes us aware of. Here in the chapter before us, I believe you and I witness a picture of what God can and yes, even will do for any man, woman, boy or girl that comes to him by faith for their soul's salvation. And therefore, I can most definitely assure you, ladies and gentlemen, these verses of Scripture in which we've read together are certainly worthy of our consideration. Now in just a few moments we'll zero in on our key text, verses 12 through 21. However, before we do so, uh, let's allow the Lord to challenge us with Romans chapter number 5 as a whole. Just by way of introduction, I, I believe when you and I dig into the truths of Romans chapter number 5, we will discover that God uses the Apostle Paul to paint three glorious pictures here in this chapter. Three glorious pictures which in turn teaches us a great deal about the grace of God. Grace, ladies and gentlemen, that makes the case for reaching a lost and dying world with the gospel. Three pictures in Romans chapter 5. I see the first picture in verses 1 through 5 of this chapter. In the first few verses of Scripture, verses 1 through 5 of Romans chapter number 5, we see a picture, ladies and gentlemen, of God lifting us. And I say that we see a picture of God lifting us in verses 1 through 5 because Paul declares as early as these first few verses of the chapter that the child of God has been justified by faith to the point that we now have peace with God through none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So yes, in verses 1 through 5 of Romans chapter number 5, we see the very first picture of three pictures that the Holy Ghost of God inspires Paul to paint. In verses 1 through 5, we see a picture of God lifting us. Now, in verses 6 through 11, right here in the middle portion of the chapter, we see the second picture. The Holy Ghost of God is leading Paul to paint. He lifts us, verses 1 through 5, but in verses 6 through 11, we see a picture of God loving us. In fact, verse number 8 of Romans chapter number 5 is not only one of my favorite verses in all of this particular chapter, but Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8 is one of my favorite verses in all of the Word of God. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, if you mark in your Bible this morning, you ought to underline that word commendeth. If you mark in your Bible, you ought to circle that word commendeth. You ought to highlight that word commendeth. The word commendeth in Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8 is an inspired word in God's inspired Bible that assures each and every one of us this morning at the Bible Baptist Church of Rossville, Georgia that the thrice holy God of glory did much more than just say to a lost in dying world I love you now God did say it but he did more than say it according to Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8 he commended it that word commended simply means to put on display God said it yes but he did more than say it he commended it he put it on display I sung about it just a few moments ago for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved God lifts us, verses 1 through 5. God loves us, verses 6 through 11. But then beginning with verse number 12 of the chapter and continuing through verse 21, we see the third and the final picture the Holy Spirit of God uses the Apostle Paul to paint here in this chapter. He lifts us, verses 1 through 5. He loves us, verses 6 through 11. But here in our key text this morning, we see a picture of God loosing us. Here in the text in which the Lord has led us to this morning, we see a picture of God loosing us, child of God, from the power of sin. Now let's spend a few moments here and dig into the truths of the Word of God. Uh, Let's consider what the Bible is teaching us here. First of all, notice verses 12, 13, and 14. Here in these three verses of Scripture, Paul begins to speak of sin. He speaks of sin's presence. First portion of verse 12. He speaks of sin's presence. 
penalty, latter portion of verse 12. And he ultimately speaks of sin's power in verses 13 and 14. So yes, in verse number 12 and continuing all the way through verse number 14, Paul speaks of sin. He's not only in the text speaking of sin's entrance, but he is speaking of sin's effect. Paul speaks of sin, verses 12 through 14. However, beginning with verse 15 and continuing all the way through the final verse of the chapter, verse 21, Paul now takes his speaking of sin to yet another level. And now he begins to study sin. And as Paul begins to study sin, he declares emphatically and he declares without apology that the solution for man's sin is salvation by grace through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Because according to the text before us, where sin abounded, what did much more abound? Somebody say it for me. Grace did much more abound. This, ladies and gentlemen, is grace that makes the case for what we're doing here this week at the Bible Baptist Church. This is grace that makes the case for being a soul winner, for being a missions giver. This is grace that makes the case for reaching your lost neighbor with the gospel, for reaching a lost country with the this is grace that makes the case for world evangelism. Now before we dismiss this morning, there are three things directly from the text that I felt impressed of the Lord to call your attention to. I keep looking at this watch on the pulpit. It hasn't moved since I started preaching. This thing says it's 927. So far, I haven't taken any time during my introduction. So I'll just spend a few moments of time. Oh, there we go. I've got one that works here. A few moments of time to call your attention to three things directly from the text. Three things that teaches us about grace that makes the case for what we're doing here this week at the Bible Baptist Church. First things first. The Bible in verses 12 through 21 teaches us, number one, about a problem that is universal. Paul speaks in the text of a very real, and may I say a very relevant problem when it comes to mankind as a whole. Look, if you would please, in verse 12. Paul writes, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon how many men? Somebody say it for me. All men for that how many have sinned? Somebody say that for me. All have sinned. Can I ask you a question? Do you see the problem? The Holy Spirit of God leads the Apostle Paul here in the latter portion of Romans chapter 5 to write of a problem that is universal. According to the text before us, this problem affects all men. 
According to the text, this problem affects all white men. All black men. All Do you see what the Bible says? According to the word of God, this universal problem affects all men. It is not only a personal problem in that it affects me, but it is a popular problem in that it affects you. It is a problem that is a universal problem. It is a problem that affects your neighbor. It is a problem that affects the waiter or the waitress that will serve your meal this evening. It is a problem that affects the store clerk, the postal worker. It is a problem that affects all men. It is a universal problem. Now, how many of you know that if God, listen, if God ever addresses an issue in his Bible one time, it's certainly worthy of our consideration. Would you say amen to that? Uh, This Bible that I hold in my, this Bible that I hold in my hand is beyond a shadow of a doubt, ladies and gentlemen, the inspired, the inerrant, the infallible, the impeccable, the indestructible word of the thrice holy God of glory. And if God touched upon a subject one time, it's certainly worthy of our consideration. But wait a minute. What if God touches on a subject over and over and over and over again? Would you kind of start believing that God really wanted us to grab a hold of what he was saying? Well, in verse number 12, God leads the apostle Paul to write about a problem that is universal, but he's not through. In verse 15, he continues to write about this same universal problem when he declares that through the offense of one, many are dead. God's still not through. Verse 16, he continues to address the truths concerning this problem that is universal. Verse 16 teaches us that since one has sinned, that judgment was by one to condemnation. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you or I, either one, will never fully appreciate the superiority of grace until we first and foremost realize the severity of the problem we've got a sin problem. Verse 17. The word of God teaches us in verse 17 since one man offended God, death reigned by one. Verse 18 declares that through the offense of one, judgment came upon how many men? All men to condemnation. Verse 19 teaches us that by one man's disobedience, how many were made sinners? Many were made sinners. There is a problem. It is a sin problem. And this sin problem is a universal problem. 
we reach the United States with the gospel because the inhabitants of the United States has a sin problem. We send the gospel across the border in the north and we reach the country of Canada with the gospel because the greatest problem in Canada, it isn't an economic need, it isn't a material need, it isn't a financial need. It is the same problem in Canada that we are facing in our great country this morning. It is a sin problem. It is a universe problem if we were to head south and cross the border and go into our neighboring country of Mexico do you know what you would run into after you cross the border you'd run into the same universal problem in Mexico that you would run into in Canada you'd run into the same universal problem that you'd run into if you try to win your neighbor to Jesus or if you tried to win the store clerk to Jesus there is a problem it is a universal problem It's a sin problem. You know, I've always found it interesting here in the latter portion of Romans chapter 5, the Bible continues to speak of one that sinned and one that offended and one that disobeyed God. Well, can I ask you, who is this one that offended God? Who is this one that disobeyed God? And even more importantly, what does this one and this one's actions have to do with me or for that matter, the world? Well, the Bible is abundantly clear. The one that sinned, the one that disobeyed, the one that offended God was our forefather Adam. And when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden as our forefather, he plunged mankind as a whole headlong into sin. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22 that in Adam all die because the wages of sin is death. Brother, surely you would agree with me when I say we've got a problem. We were born sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all, how many? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 12 declares, There is none that doeth good, no, not one. That's why the world is in the shape that it's in this morning. The world is as it is because we are as we are. Through our forefather Adam, we'll all die. Through our forefather Adam, we're all sinners. Through Adam, we all fall short of the glory of God it is a universal problem it is a sin problem and if the story ended right there I'll tell you what as much as I love your preacher and Miss Nolita and as much as I'm looking forward to having lunch at their house this afternoon I'll tell you what I'm going to do I'm going back to my motel room, Brother Saunders, and I'm going to pack my bag, and I'm going back to the mountains of North Georgia, 
and I'm never preaching again. If the story ended right there. But boy, do I ever have some good news to share with you precious people this morning. The story doesn't end by simply revealing a problem that is universal. No, the same Bible that is careful and that is very deliberate to teach us about a problem that is universal is the same Bible that is careful and may I say again very deliberate to teach us about, secondly, a provision that is undeniable. Yes, the Bible does teach us through one we all die. But the same Bible teaches us through another one all men have the potential to live. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22. For as in Adam all die, listen now, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Paul said in verse 45 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and so it was written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. And of course, when the apostle Paul was led of the Lord to speak of the last Adam, he is speaking of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes Paul referred to the Lord Jesus as the second Adam. And I've always found it interesting here in the latter portion of Romans chapter number 5, Paul begins to compare the first Adam with the last Adam. Verse number 15 says, notice the comparison. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now God's not through here. He's going to drive this point as home as well. Look if you would in verse 17. Paul writes, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. God's still not through. He continues to speak of a provision that is undeniable in verses 18 and 19. As Paul wrote, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Therefore, when I read this, the latter portion of Romans chapter 5, as I consider not only the problem that is universal, but the provision that is undeniable, I can make the following statement and be scripturally correct in making it. The first Adam reigned over doomed humanity. But the last Adam reigns over delivered humanity. Through the first Adam came the doom of sin. But through the last Adam comes deliverance from sin. Through the first Adam came a problem that was universal. But through the last Adam or the second Adam comes a provision that is undeniable. Through the first Adam, 
I'm lost. But through the last Adam, I'm found. Through the first Adam, I'm on my way to hell. But through the last Adam, I have a home in heaven. Through the first Adam, I'm a debtor. But through the last Adam, the debt has been canceled. Through the first Adam, I was taken low. But through the last Adam, I have been lifted high. Through the first Adam, I am a sinner. But through the last Adam, I am a saint. Can I encourage you this morning to go back through these verses of Scripture and underline every time you see the word gift. The word gift is mentioned six times in these verses of Scripture alone. You'll see it twice in verse 15. You'll see it twice in verse 16. You'll see it once in both verses 17 and 18. Six times... God inspired the word gift. Six times God inspired the word grace in the text. You'll see it in verse 2, twice in verse 15, as well as in verses 17, 20, and 21. The number 6 in your King James Bible is the number of man. Can I say to you, we reach the world with the gospel because God chooses to use us that make up the local church to take his gift of grace to a lost and a dying world. I say to the people of Canada, I say to the people of Mexico, I say to your lost neighbor, your lost friend, your lost family member, yes, there is a problem and that problem that is universal, oh, but there is a provision and that provision is undeniable that provision is Jesus that provision is grace in the first Adam I should die but since I've trusted the second Adam as my savior in the last Adam I've li- I live this morning and by the way I've been given so much more in the last Adam that I was ever given in the first. Can I encourage you when you do your daily devotions this week as you go back and underline gift and as you underline grace, underline this phrase that you'll read often in the latter portion of Romans chapter 5, much more. I see it in verse 15 where the Bible says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many I see it in verse 17 well the Bible says for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ God still isn't through look at verse 20 Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but aren't you thankful for the day when God butted in your life? But where sin abounded, grace did what? Much more abound. 
Do you realize what the Bible is teaching us here in the text? The Bible is teaching us, child of God, that you and I gained much more in the last Adam than we ever lost in the first Adam. I say hallelujah for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Thank the Lord for Jesus. So there is a provision. And that provision is undeniable. In the first Adam, you're made a sinner. But in the last Adam, you could be made a saint. God, listen, God has made a way. God has provided a way of escaping the eternal consequences of sin. And that way is through and by the one that said in the gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. One other thing, and I'm through this morning. You've listened so well. I love preaching here. There is a problem that is universal. There is a provision that is undeniable. In light of that, there are two possibilities that must be understood. First of all, there is the possibility of condemnation. Now, I know that's not politically correct, but it's scripturally correct. And I don't know about you, I'm not interested in being politically correct. I'm interested in being scripturally correct. It's not being politically correct that will get you to heaven. It is being scripturally correct. According to the Bible, it is possible to hear this short, simple, sobering gospel message and reject it, say no to it, and die in your sin and go to hell. Why don't you listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Are you listening? Say amen. amen. If you reject this gospel message and die in your sin and go to hell, You'll go to hell out of the divine will of God. Because 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 teaches us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is the possibility of condemnation. But then there is the possibility of conversion. Do you know what God sacredly guards all throughout the canon of Scripture? God sacredly guards the will of man. God's not going to force you to be saved. But I'll tell you what He burdened my heart to do. He burdened my heart to come here this morning and make the offer. God stands with open arms this morning and He says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your salvation is only a prayer away if you would realize this undeniable provision of God's good grace.
you've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I just wonder why our musicians come and while they begin to play softly, if there's an individual that's made your way to the house of God today and you realize throughout the course of the message that you've never trusted this undeniable provision as your Savior. You've never trusted Jesus. Oh, you know of Him. But you've never invited Him in your heart. Did you know the very first step in being saved is to realize the first point of this message. Realize you got a sin problem. Seeing some of these young, precious men sitting in the front of the auditorium reminds me. You know, I was eight years old. And I went to church one Sunday morning in the month of June, in the year of 1974. And the Holy Ghost dealt with my heart about being saved. You know what happened? For the first time, the Holy Spirit removed the blinders from my eyes. And I realized... That going to church every week of my life wasn't going to save me. I realized for the first time that even though my mama and my daddy were saved, my siblings were saved, didn't mean I was saved. You know what I saw? I saw myself a sinner. I saw myself with a problem that was universal. At first, oh, I was so nervous. What do I do? I'm on my way to hell. I'm a sinner. But then, thank God, the preacher not only told me about a problem that was universal, he told me about a provision that was undeniable. He told me about Jesus. And on that day, as best as I knew how to do, my little eight-year-old heart said something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Can't save myself. Lord, I don't want to die and go to hell. And I realized this morning, the only hope I have of heaven is the Lord Jesus. And therefore, would you forgive me my sin? Come into my heart and save me by your grace. That was about it that day. It was just a simple Simple prayer. You say, well, preacher, didn't anybody lead you down the Romans road? I didn't even know there was a Romans road. My little heart was just crying out to God. Jesus promised us, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And maybe you've made your way to the house of God this morning and you've realized, I'm a sinner. I inherited that sin from my father Adam and I'm lost and I need Jesus. I just wonder if there would be one with an uplifted hand that would say, Brother Caudill, I've never met Jesus as my personal Savior. Would you please pray for me? One like that here? God bless you. Are there others? Anyone at all? Then let me ask you, children of God, can I ask you this question? Oh, listen, my heart was challenged this morning during the first hour about having a burden. 
You know, I had to get up from where I was sitting and make my way to an altar. And I prayed to the Lord this morning something like this. Lord, sometimes I get so busy doing good things that all of a sudden I don't carry the burden for sinners that I ought to carry. So I wonder right now as we stand to our feet all over the building, I could think of no greater way to start this missions camp meeting out than by once again asking God for a greater burden for the souls of men. It would amaze you how these missions messages will stir you even more if God just gives us a greater burden. But you know the Bible teaches us that you have not because you ask not. When's the last time you ask God for a greater burden? My Father, I pray as the pastor comes to close the service as you lead him to do so. Give him wisdom and discernment. Save the lost here this morning. Encouraged the discouraged child of God. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would leave with a greater burden to take this undeniable provision to a lost and dying world. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name.